in just a little bit, we'll be coming to the Lord's table. Now, during this time of the Christmas season, somewhere along the line, it is always observed that um, the birth of Christ, which we are celebrating, we only know of because of the death of Christ. Had his death, burial, and resurrection not happened, he would have just been one nameless, other nameless person who would have been written off as some kind of a crazy who claimed to be God, who claimed to be the awaited Messiah, the come thou long expected Jesus, the long expected one. He'd have just been written off as one more crazy and forgotten in history. But we have not forgotten, not because of his birth, but because of his death. And it is his death that we will acknowledge, celebrate, and reflect upon in just a few minutes. And we, we understand what that is about. And so we will, we will move in that direction. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. And there's no verses coming up, friends. I'm trying for us to just be relaxed and to listen. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 Paul writes this, And you being dead in your trespasses, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he's made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Having forgiven you all trespasses. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it, to the cross. Paul is pretty clear about the thoroughness of Christ's death on our behalf there, isn't, isn't he? He's forgiven you all trans- trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. You know, when they crucified somebody during the time of Jesus, what they would do is they would, uh, they would place above them or somewhere on their cross, a thing called an acetabulum. And the acetabulum was a statement, a proclamation as to what this person you're seeing dying on this cross or just hanging there if they've already died, why they were put on this cross, why Rome found it necessary to crucify this particular person, to inflict this horrific capital punishment upon them. So each one was there according to Rome, Each one was there with a guilt sentence upon them. When we come and reflect upon the cross in a little bit, each of us, if we know Christ in a personal way, by the way, let me just say it right now, that the elements that we will be passing, they're freely offered to anyone here who has put their faith in Jesus Christ. To anyone who understands that they've had a need And Jesus Christ is the solution to the need because of sin in their lives, and they have claimed him. These elements are for you. If you've not come to that place yet in your journey through life, can I encourage you to consider seriously what we're talking about here? Maybe this would be the day that you would understand and, and, uh, and receive a gift that has been given so graciously for you uh, as well as for the rest of us. But anyways, there was this guilt statement that Rome made but as Paul writes, he speaks of a, another statement. As he writes and he says, this, this having wiped out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, there is, a, there is a bill of indebtedness, if you will, written by God's holy hand that each of us carries, that each of us has relative to the guilt of our own sin. 
None of us, and we know this, I'm not telling us anything new. None of us has moved through this life without, and very early on, we can account for it. Because it's part of and parcel to our very nature. Very early on, we have given offense to God. Because we have walked against him, we have rejected him, we have done this thing over and over and over that the Bible refers to as sin. Sometimes some of the words indicate a rebellion to who God is and his will. Some of the words indicate simply a missing of the mark, that he has set a standard of righteousness and we have not lived up to it. And we have done it both willfully and we have done it not necessarily willfully, but just because we can't reach it. We just fail time and time and time again. And, and, and we can envision that God has this thing that says, look, here's, here's a list of guilty things that are yours. And we all have it. And these things are against us. They are contrary to us. They're not helping us. They're not uplifting us. They bring no good to our lives, even though we embrace them sometimes and cling to them as if we've got to have this sin. We've got to have this. It'll be killing us. But we'll still cling to it in all of our rebellion, and uh, we'll let it destroy our lives. But God, this guilt that is associated with this, God has taken it out of the way and nailed it to the cross. So that it, are, it is ours in a personal way to consider as we come and we reflect upon the cross of Jesus Christ to envision ourselves coming within one hand. We have a piece of paper, and on it is listed all of that sin that calls us guilty before God, worthy of punishment, worthy of death. We've got it in his hand, and we bring it, and we leave it at the cross. We might even envision as we go through this time it being nailed to the cross there with Jesus. And as, as his blood is poured out, it's poured out as the ultimate able sacrifice to cleanse us from the guilt of this sin. It is a substitution. His death is a substitution for the death that we have uh, due us because of our rebellion and our sin. It's a, so, it's a sobering moment. It's a time when each one of us, as far as our time before the Lord, uh, ought to consider anew and afresh what God has done for us in the person of Jesus Christ. But there are some other verses that relate, and you'll see this is, this is all about forgiveness, as Paul says. Uh, you being dead in the trespasses, the uncircumcision of your flesh. He's made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of ordinances that were, or requirements that were against us, that were contrary to us. So we have these things. But there are some other statements made in Scripture relative to the question of forgiveness that tie directly in to this forgiveness that we have received. They say things like this. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted. This is from Ephesians. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. A little later in Colossians, it says that we are to be bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. 
The Lord Jesus Christ told that, that parable in Matthew chapter 18. He told the parable of, of the, the man who had an indebtedness to the king. And it's like a gazillion dollars. It's beyond the, the guy's capacity ever to pay. And he pleads with the king, and the king forgives him his indebtedness. And as he leaves, he in time comes across another man like himself who has an indebtedness to him of something equivalent to about three months' wages. It's a significant indebtedness. It's real. But the man who has just been forgiven, an impossible debt to be forgiven, the man says to him, pay me all you owe me. And the guy makes the same request. Give me time, I'll pay you. That, that the forgiven man made of the king, and he ignores it. Says, nope, has him thrown into prison. And then the king finds out. And the king is angry that he has just made this huge forgiveness and this guy couldn't make this small forgiveness to someone else. And he demands punishment for the man until there has been an equitable payment for what this man has just done. And Jesus ends that parable with, So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Last week, we discussed it being our time to speak. I'd like us to think for just a few moments this morning about it being our time. Yes, it's our season. It's our time. Look around you. You see Christmas everywhere. But as we come to the Lord's table this morning... I'd also like us to consider this thought that it is our time to forgive. Isn't it interesting in Matthew chapter 6 where the Lord shares what's come to be known as the Lord's prayer. Forgive us our debts or our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That When he's done explaining that, he points back to one thing in the entire prayer. Says, if you do not forgive your brothers, God will not forgive you. If you withhold forgiveness, you will not receive forgiveness. Now, I don't believe that's in. A, I don't believe that can be in a salvation manner. That if you withhold forgiveness, you can't be saved because that would put salvation on a works basis, and that I don't under, That just doesn't fit. We all need because none of us are going to be able to forgive probably perfectly, anyways, or even be aware of places where we're holding uh, bitterness and unforgiveness. Um, but there is something that's going to break down in our relationship with the Lord if we hold in our hearts an unforgiving spirit. If we hold and just, just nurture within our hearts an unforgiving spirit to the degree that we will never know the fullness of God's blessing. We will not know the fullness of what it means to walk with the Lord, of the richness of the transformation that he wants to do in our lives. Because there will always be something blocking that. Because God is determined that we also learn to forgive. And as we contemplate this thing called forgiveness, as Paul said, even as God, we are to be forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you in Ephesians. Even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do, as he said in Colossians. And this thing that we celebrate when we think, I bring my IOU to the cross, 
and I can leave it at the foot of the cross or I can nail it to the cross and I can know that the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed me from that sin and I leave feeling refreshed and it's wonderful. What I would like to suggest this morning that as we come to the Lord's table, we come, yes, with this piece of paper acknowledging our sins in our own end and it's an IOU that to God we have an indebtedness that he is paying for us in the person of Jesus Christ. But I would like us all to envision in this hand, we have another piece of paper. And in this hand, it says, you owe me. You owe me. You have done me wrong. And I am hanging on to that. And I am remembering it every day. And I am not letting it go. And I am going to let it define our relationship. And I would like to suggest that what we ultimately do is take the second piece of paper also and place it right next to ours, whether at the foot of the cross or nailed to the cross, however we envision it. We bring the you owe me also to the cross of Jesus Christ. And we begin a process whereby we then call upon the Lord and say, Lord, by your grace, by the power that's at work in me, because this is pleasing to you, I ask you, because I'm bringing this piece of paper with the you owe me on it. And each of us knows who it is that we have bitterness towards and anger and resentment. We know who that is. And if we don't know, ask the Lord. He'll reveal it to us. That each of us, as we bring it there, we understand that this is what God calls us to. We have been given generously, generously, overflowingly out of God's grace and His goodness, the forgiveness of our own sins. It's like a debt that could never be even comprehended, let alone paid. Because when we, we have offended the eternal almighty God, the perfect holy one, we have thumbed our nose in his eyes, said, I don't want you. At some point, we have all done that. We have lived in that. We have said, I'm not going to follow your will. I am not going to do the things you want me to do. And the nature of that offense, because of who we are, as simply fallen creatures, and who he is, is the eternal creator, holy, righteous, perfect God of the universe, of all existence, creates an indebtedness that is unfathomable, that only Jesus Christ can handle. We need to understand how overflowing his grace is so that then as we look at another human being for whom we hold a grudge, for whom we have bitterness, for whom we refuse to love. We can then honestly say, Lord Jesus, I, may be, I, 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 I need to forgive this person. I maybe I'm not there yet. But Lord, I'm bringing a piece of paper to you. I'm laying that offense. I'm laying the you owe me that this person has put into my life at the foot of your cross. I'm putting it right next to mine. And Lord, I'm asking you to transform my heart so I can do the thing here that you're asking me to do. So I can bear the forgiveness that is pleasing to you.
couple of thoughts that I'd like to bring just on this concept of how repeatedly our forgiving others is tied to God's forgiveness of us. Here's a couple of thoughts that maybe will help us as God calls us to forgive as we have been forgiven. It's always based on that. It's always based on what he has done for us in Jesus Christ. First of all, God asking us to forgive is in accord with what God has done for us. And that's what we've been discussing. He's gloriously forgiven us. An unimaginable debt, which we probably won't really understand the significance of what our debt was until we get to glory and we see the magnificence of who God is. So, it's in accord with what God has done for us. Freely have we received, freely give. That's one. Two, it is in accord with what God is doing in us. God is trying to remake his image. He's not trying, he is in the process of remaking us in his image. Remember, that's what was marred at the fall. Romans 8, 29. Whom he did foreknow them, he did predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. He is bringing us back into conformity to his image. We cannot be in conformity. This work that he's trying to do, this ongoing work we're trying to do, we can't be in conformity to his image if we bear an unforgiving spirit because his image is one of gracious, generous forgiveness. So if we simply set our feet and say, nope, I'm not going there, we have stopped that development of Christ being formed in us, haven't we? Because somehow what this person owes us apparently is even greater than what we owe God. And it is unforgivable. No, it is in accord with what God is doing in us as he makes us to be like himself. Gloriously and generously forgiving. And third, it's in accord with what God is doing through us. Let's just think about this just for a moment, friends. Think on this. We said this is our time to speak, didn't we? Last week, it's our time to speak. It's our time in the midst of this month when everybody's talking about Christmas. It's our time to declare the magnificence of what Jesus Christ has done. It's our time to say he came not just to be born so we could have Christmas trees and give gifts. He came to die so that we could be forgiven. That's the message that we speak. Oh, my dear friends. How does that message resonate? I say, well, we, got, we got Trent with us today. Okay, he's back with his precious family. All right. How does the message resonate? When, if, if God calls him back to Nepal, how does, how does the message resonate in Nepal among the Nepalese who don't understand it yet? As God is doing work. How does the message resonate among the unbelievers there if they look at the Christians and find they're very bitter, unforgiving people? How do we validate a message of forgiveness to others and that God is doing this work in the world if we bear unforgiveness in our own spirit? And we just let that continue to burn and churn and rule us and divide us. And then we say to the world, to the world, outside, right? 
Oh, we have this great message for you. We have this wonderful message. And they look inside and go, what do you mean wonderful message? Live it out for a while. Maybe I'll believe it. But it's inconsistent with the message we bring that God is a forgiving God if we are not a forgiving people. Does that make some sense to us? All right. Two last thoughts. When we bring that piece of paper to the cross that says, you owe me. This person whom we have, for whatever reason, have determined we're not forgiving them. And we're going to let the, the grudge grow. We're going to let the grudge continue. We're going to let the bitterness fester. We're going to continue to blame them for all the unhappiness in our lives. Because we can read this thing says, you owe me for such, such, and such. And you know what's on that piece of paper for that particular person that, you, that you're holding the bitterness towards. I know what's on my piece of paper. One thing I want to make clear, it's not that they haven't offended us. The offense is real. They should not have done what they did. I'm not saying you simply dismiss it and say, well, that really doesn't matter. Oh, no, it hurt. You can own the hurt. You can own the pain. You can acknowledge that the wounding was deep, but you don't have to hold on to the bitterness and the unforgiveness. What they owe is real. Just like, remember, the guy in Jesus' parable, he owed three months' wages. That's significant. It really is an indebtedness. It was no small thing. But just as God's forgiveness of us is an act of pure grace, we're not trying to do this based upon they ever paid the penalty or they ever paid their debtedness. We're doing it based upon the overflowing grace that God gave us, and we just pass it along. It is an act of grace to say, I'm no longer going to hold this indebtedness against this person. That's number one. It's not a denial of the wounding. It's a very real acceptance of it. It's just a refusal to require an indebtedness on it, a payment for it. But here's something else. When we consider we're bringing both pieces of paper, we're bringing the one to the cross that says, I need God's forgiveness in Jesus Christ. The IOU that we've written. And then when we bring the you owe me, and we also bring it and ask God to deal with it and to change our hearts, it ultimately is a confession and a profession of our own need, isn't it? Why are we saying, I'm going to forgive this person? Lord, work in my life that the forgiveness is free and real, that from my heart, this is truly where I am, and I, and I can ultimately say they're forgiven, and I'm not holding the bitterness. Why are we? Because we recognize I came with two pieces of paper today. I had an IOU against me of a much greater value. And my confession and my profession of my own need enables me to look at this person and say, yeah, and they have a need too, just like mine. And I'm not going to hang, hang on to that indebtedness of theirs towards me. Because I get, I get that it happens. I understand my own need. Those are some thoughts, friends. It's our time. It's our time in this season to speak and proclaim a glorious gospel message. But it's also our time to forgive. 
Because God has clearly instructed us that as we have received the forgiveness that's wrought in this message at Christmas, we are also not only to speak it, but to give it to those for whom we hold to you, O me. May God do a significant work in each of our lives as we now come to the table and we reflect what Christ has done for us. Even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do.